Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. All right, the 2022 winner of the Bradford Show Fantasy Football League, Nick Punto, joins us. Oh, <laughs> really? Well, I mean, I'm trying to make you feel good. Really? I'm trying to make uh, you feel good about things uh, leading, leading into, uh, into, the, into this conversation. So I'm building uh, you up. I'm building you up. I'm building you I up. I don't you, know. You feel, good, you, feel, you feel good about things? I, you know what? I'm very average. I'm very average. You know, I, you know, and I got a lot of kids. I'm busy. I mean, you know, I, I the, don't know. The kids, we'll are, the kids are the ones that those are your assistant GMs. They are right. Nash. I mean, like oh, he, Nash for sure. But he actually tells me like, dad, you got to get this guy out of the lineup. Right. He's injured. Like he lets me know. That's what I'm talking about. You need yeah. that guy. I mean, yeah, and then absolutely. and then, can you have Nash talk trash with Papelbon too, please? <laughs> oh, that's gonna happen. I mean, Nash will tra- talk trash with anybody. You know I that. know, I know. It's great. It's yeah. great. All right. Well, b- we'll finish off with some good uh, fancy football talk. But um, so we are literally doing. I am so happy, Nick Punto's with us. I, of the, um, I am so happy you were with us, Nick, because. It's not every day on the 10th anniversary of a momentous event that you get somebody, you get the chance to talk to someone at the exact 10th anniversary. I mean, to the minute and someone whose name is in the actual historical event, which is the Nick Punto trade. Right. So, right? so congratulations. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we're doing this, we're doing this at midnight Eastern, midnight Eastern. So, um, the first thing I want to ask you, Nick, is when you go back 10 years ago, that trade, and we'll talk about leading up to it and everything else, the midnight of the trade, like, like did you go to sleep? Could you sleep? What was going on? What, what, was, going, what was going on exactly 10 years ago right now? Oh, my goodness. Exactly what was going on. It was just was it chaos. 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 Complete chaos. We had a newborn. I'm trying to get my wife to like pack up our place and all our stuff. We're living in Tom Brady's friend's house. So like we got to make sure that thing's spotless and there's nothing out of place. So it was just an absolute 911 emergency trying to get my mother-in-law to be able to fly home with my, my wife and kids. And it was, it was totally chaotic for them mostly because I was about to be on 
a, a big old oh, pr- yeah. pri- you, jet, you private, private jet. jet. <laughs> you were you you were you were you were already like to to drink some forties with Beckett or something. So uh, yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. The forties weren't yet, but we had to. We still had to play a baseball game that night. But oh, um, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so, but first of all, before I get to the the brass tacks of it, like. How did you get Tom Brady's friend's house? Tom Brady's friend's house came through Julie Brady, who's a good friend of mine. Obviously, Kevin Euclid's married Julie Brady. And uh, we needed a place. Natalie and Julie are good friends. And she found, like, Tom Brady's Giselle's hairdresser's house. or I don't even know what it was, but it was it was a beautiful home right there, uh, right next to BC, Boston College. Oh, yeah, Chestnut Hill, yeah. Yeah. So so nice. Beautiful. Was it, that, was it nicer than Pedroia's house? I never saw Pedroia's house. What? I never even saw it. He lived when I played with him, he literally lived across the oh, street. Oh, he lived in the apartments. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So he had a house after that, after I left? Yeah, yeah. After, you know, he signs the contracts and he's a big deal. So yeah. there you go. There um go. but uh all right. So let's go back. So like we it was chaos ten years ago. As we sit here, it's good to see that you're settled in. You have you're sitting at your house, all calm. Everything's good. Everything's good, right? Everything's good. You're coaching your kids. You're everything's yeah. good. All right, awesome. So, um, so let's let's break this down. Um, you you guys go through the and we were just talking off the air, or whatever about the non waiver trade deadline and tra- waiver trade deadline, which which like now there is no waiver trade deadline. Um, which is insane to think about, like how what a, this happened. People think that this enormous trade happened before the trade deadline. It didn't happen before the second trade deadline. So you guys cruise through the first, the non waiver trade deadline. Your uh, that was when um, you didn't really, I think, make a lot of moves. And I don't know if you were sort of in it, or I can't remember like exactly why you guys didn't make any moves, but. But but you guys were all still all there. Like everyone was there still. Adrian, Carl, you, Beckett, like all of them, all of you were still there. So when you do you remember when you cruised through that thinking, well, here we go, we're just gonna ride out the rest of the season? I do. Yeah, I, I remember it vividly because we were catching wind before July 31st. Like we were catching kind like not necessarily me, but like Beckett was catching some wind uh cc mentioned something i think adrian mentioned something to me like that they heard some just some rumbles right um so when that didn't happen like you just said i thought we all thought like okay let's you know we're we're not going anywhere let's try to win this thing or like i don't even remember i think we were so far out of it it didn't matter but we still were like let's bear down and and play some baseball yeah you had a good you know we talked about this you had a good group i mean you had a talented group Right. Yeah. So we did. Yeah. yeah, we did have a talented group. It just didn't completely work out. We didn't, you know, we didn't play good enough. Yeah. So, um, and I actually, now it's coming back. I think there was a deal involving Beckett to the Rangers that yes. fell through, right? Do you remember this? I do remember that. Yeah. And it yeah. fell through. It was Beckett. Boy, who else was it? Uh, I think shot well shot back and shot back ended up getting traded anyway, but uh, but Beckett was it was definitely a deal about Beckett going to the Rangers, but he anyway he sticks around. 
you guys stay, you stick around. And now, now we're talking, this is three weeks into August, like three weeks into August. And so you're, what do you remember about the first instance? Cause I, I'm going to tell you before you say anything. And listen, I, when, when I hear about this, it's, you know, every is well down the road or relatively, but the first instance I had was uh, James Loney's agent called me and said, Hey, you hearing anything about this? I'm like, I don't know. James, Lo- like James Loney, like, like what? Right. Uh, so what, when's the first that you guys start hearing the rumblings? It was right. Or, it was probably right around the time you probably heard something too. Cause I'm, I'm imagining that those went going, you know, were, were basically parallel because Adrian was the first person to tell me. So you would imagine that Adrian's agent knew something as well. Right. Just like Loney's agent. I'm does, guessing. So does when Adrian tells you, what was it? Was it, Hey, this deal's done. Hey, this deal, they're trying to work this deal. What's going on. It wasn't, it was not, there was nothing concrete at all. I, I think it was more like for him, probably wishful thinking. Cause he knew the Dodgers were playing well and, from you know, there. It, yeah. yeah, he's from out there. I don't, it, who knows, who knows what it was because we never really dove into it together. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it happened pretty fast though. Cause I, I feel like when I found out about it, it was day, like a couple days later and it actually went down right away. So if I heard about it, if August 25th is the trade, I, I probably heard it on the 23rd, 22nd. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then does it, is it the type of thing where now it starts spreading throughout because, you know, maybe like, I don't know, word gets trickling out or about this or that, but in the clubhouse, do you remember what it was like? I remember it just wasn't that much fun. Like anytime (laughs) you're talking about being traded or going somewhere else, or they're trying to change something in your core group, it's, a slap in the face on us players. Like that means we failed as players. So I remember just being really upset about the fact that like, yeah, we're not playing well, but like this, this kind of sucks. Like we're not even on the same page. Like we're supposed to be talking about winning baseball games and there's just all this extracurricular talk going on. I remember being a little bit frustrated with it, but Mm -hmm. there was like, like I said, there was nothing concrete. There was, and it was all just mumbles and rumbles, but, I do remember feeling, dang, this just doesn't feel right. Had you, been not- tra- had you been traded before at that point? I did, but it was in the off season. So okay. my first trade was, I was literally in my dentist chair getting a root canal back left. Really? I'll never forget it. Terry Ryan calls me and I answer the phone and the dentist, like he was probably out of the room for a second. He, li- I re- remember him looking at me like, you're on the phone. Do you know how wasted you are on drugs right now? <laughs> like, what are you doing? So I answered the phone. Terry Ryan told me I got traded. <laughs> he said, we just traded for you. You're coming to Minnesota. And I I, I kind of just said, oh, sweet. Awesome. And I hung up the phone. My agent calls me the next day. He goes, did you know, like, you got traded? Like, what? You, you told Terry it was such a mess. <laughs> this is way before like internet, and not before uh, internet, but like Twitter. You know, yeah, that, yeah. that stuff would never happen. There wouldn't have been rumors. It would have just been a GM <laughs> making a phone call to a player, and there's that. 
it was uh, crazy. That's an off. That's that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. um, so so you have that sort of sinking feeling, and you know I don't know, you know, having gone through that year with you, with you guys, I, we are we we you know, listen. We know how chaotic it was, right? I mean, right. it was, it was. I've never seen. It's funny because I get the sense of, like you said, that that 2012 team. I don't want to say it's like the tightest team, but you had elements of it that was really tight. I felt like, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cody Ross was such a big part of that. He had a great year. Yeah. Like, I think that's one of the things I remember about that year is how fun it was to watch one of my good friends, Cody Ross, who I, you know, lived in Arizona with for years and we're still best good, really good friends to today. Um, he had an amazing year and that was super fun. He was like a locker mate. So like that was really fun to watch him perform every day. There wasn't a ton of great performances. I mean, there just wasn't. And that's why we were who we were. You know, not a lot of guys had uh, had the best years. So when, when you talk about when you have these guys, like it was so many, it was an interesting trade because that you had all these elements in it. You know, obviously I'm not even talking about the way the Red Sox got back, but for you guys, you have, you know, this go through these guys. So you have Adrian, right? Adrian, like people look, have to look back. And I know that in Boston, it didn't end well. Like it was, you know, he had said something um, about the schedule and he had said some stuff that just sort of didn't fly well in Boston. And um, so by the time he gets to that point, his Q rating in Boston wasn't that great. Um, but he was unbelievably awesome like the year the, the year before and he had a pretty good year that year too like he was yeah. a he was a legit player right so good i mean that ballpark if that ballpark was so built for david ortiz and adrian gonzalez like players that let the ball travel let the ball deep and your left-handed hitter there's no better place to hit joe i always said joe i just saw joe mauer this weekend and i said you would have hit you could have hit 400 in that ballpark like that ballpark is if you're big and strong, right? Not like Nick Punto size, but if you're a big, strong dude and you're a left-handed hitter with some pop, there is no better place to play. Yeah, we just had I just came from the park. Franchi Cordero, who's a big strong guy, flicks it out. Same thing. As you talking yeah. about they they actually tried getting the Red Sox tried getting Mauer like multiple times, which is obviously, you know, for good reason. He would have killed it. I bet if you go look at some of those outs that he had, like in the Metrodome or even the new stadium, uh, Target Field, if you look at some of his out, like he flies out to 385, 390 feet to left field all the time. Yeah. Like all the time. And there's a reason. I mean, you know, the scouting department or whoever's in charge with the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, they know. Yeah, they know. And just like with Adrian and Adrian, like they said, like that. But did you get the sense, um, like by the time it got to that point that Adrian, it was sort of like, hey, listen, you know, it's like this oil and water thing with Boston at that point. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but you, you can kind of see some when someone gets a little bit stale or just frustrated and uh, he was definitely reinvigorated when we when we got to LA. I know that. And then so and, and I probably the the extreme of that was Carl. I mean Carl Crawford, who you know this is this is a guy. It was it wasn't 
it wasn't difficult to see his frustrations and, and how this was square peg ground hole with Boston. Um, yeah. And like, like you said, you came in, like he had already been there, but even before you got there, it sort of was that way. And there was this element with Carl, um, and this was unfair to, to Terry Francona, was, hey, Terry Francona's out. He was hitting me in seventh. How dare he? I'm going to hit at the top of the order. Like, I, of all the guys on that team who actually probably embraced Bobby Valentine being there, at least for a while, it was Kyle Crawford. Um, but still, you know, it wasn't really translating. Right. Yeah, I mean, he just he struggled a little bit. It, Carl Crawford is probably one of the most electric players that I've played with. You know, when he was all the things he did in Tampa Bay were so electric, but Carl has to be comfortable. He has to be, he, that's who he is. And, and, you know, whatever the circumstances are, if he's comfortable, it was good luck, right? I mean, it, there, there's a reason Boston went and got him, took him right oh, out yeah. of the. Oh, listen, I, yeah, I, was, I was like, yeah, I mean, how can you not? I mean, the guy in Tampa, but did you get the sense for that? Like, again, was he, I guess, like Adrian was the same way when you get to LA. You know, that's one of the parts of this whole equation is that you get a chance to see these guys, you see them, like, do what they did in Boston, go through whatever they did, and then they get to L.A. Did Of all those guys, which is the guys where you felt like, hey, you know what, this is, this is a really, really good move for them? Yeah. I think they all kind of exhaled, I would say. Like, I don't know who liked it the most or who was, you know, the, the happiest it's just an exhale. Like when, when you, when you are a big name, big face, big paid guy, like those guys, there is a immense amount of pressure. There is so much pressure on them. And then you're playing in a, in a, a media market like Boston. It's even that much more, right? It's, you know, Boston, New York, Philly, those are Chicago. You could throw in there. Those are markets that like, you better be on your a game with, all facets of your game you know you're off the field stuff to your on the field stuff so i'm sure there's an exhale but did they miss playing the yankees on sunday night baseball in fenway of course they did there's nothing like playing the yankees wearing a boston red sox uniform in fenway park there's nothing it, it, you just can't compare it so to to say that they were excited to go out of la i think is a stretch i think it was more just of an exhale. Right. Yes. I mean, especially at that point in the year. And, you know, the, and Beckett, you know, like I got along with Beckett really well. And, and, you know, I, and I also saw the sort of the evolution of, of where things took a downturn for him that final year, which I thought sucked because, like, this guy was back in, oh, seven, for the majority of his career with the Red Sox, he was a guy that people were wearing the jerseys. I mean, he epitomized, what people liked in Boston, the type of player, like the FU, you know, like I'm going to yeah. throw the bat at Kenny Lofton, you know, and like, or, you know, the guy that you want on the mound in the big time. And then again, that year, so many things just sort of, just sort of unraveled. And, you know, I, I, you sort of, you were walking into a lot of, listen, Nick, I mean, that's another thing, thing about this. You were walking into a lot of stuff that year after 11 right i mean could you feel oh, that it was yeah i'm coming off like the most exciting thing in my career right winning the world series with the st louis cardinals we had just such a close-knit group and it was you know i walked into something i could not wait to get to boston 
I was absolutely thrilled when Ben Sherrington signed me. Um, I couldn't wait to do it again. Like you get that taste in your mouth and you want it again. And I was like, where better place than Boston, right? This is the best thing that could happen to me. I get to go, you know, from a world champ to a world champ. Here we go. And it just, we just didn't play good enough. We, the, you know, collectively, the 25 of us did not play good enough baseball. Yeah, but be, be even beyond that, like you walked into spring training. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you walked into the Mike Avilas yelling, you know, that whole thing. You walk into, you know, I did an interview with Beckett and, you know, that whole thing. And yeah, I mean, it was Euclid. It was just, it was almost something daily. It was, it, it felt like it was something daily, like too many things that just shouldn't be like too many distractions where you're not focused on just going out and getting 27 outs. Do you remember feeling when you get to the end of that spring training through all the chaos that you still were going to be talented enough that, Hey, listen, we're going to be a really good team. Yeah. I mean, you're, yes, a hundred percent. We had Dustin Pedroia and we had David Ortiz and those presence in a locker room are immense and like i thought right there just with those two guys we can we can fix this we can write this ship with all the shenanigans going on you know the, the kevin euclid stuff early on in the season um we can write this ship we have hall of famers in this clubhouse and we're gonna write this ship but it didn't work out we said this before Nick. two two weeks in the season two weeks in the season and and could <laughs> And Pedroy is sitting in front of his locker saying, that's not how we do things around here to the manager, right? It was I know. two weeks in the season. I know. And by the way, it was 8.30 in the morning. I know. Do you remember walking I, in? And then, of course, what we're talking about was uh, Bobby Valentine the night before on Channel 7 had said uh, that – I'm paraphrasing, but you know, that Kevin Euclid didn't seem invested or something. Um, and then by the time that everyone got to the clubhouse, it was a Patriots day game. Um, everyone knew about it. Right. I mean, everyone right. knew about it. And then, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. Down. It was just a mess. And, and you know what? I don't fault Pedroia one bit for that. Oh, it's... no, no. Well, he, cause, because listen, Nick, I mean, it's like anything. He, he was invested in building up that program, right? Yeah, right. 100%. He was invested in building and, and where they went wrong and you don't have to, like, this is my own thing where they went wrong is that instead of tweaking it, they went 180 degrees different. And for the guys who were in there who had so much success Ortiz and Euclid and Pedroy and, and Lester and all these guys, like they didn't need to do 180. They didn't need the, the bat flips videos and spring training. You know, like they didn't need that stuff, right? Yeah. But so, so anyway, and I don't want to, I'm talking about the trade. So I, I don't, man, I don't want you to, to, to flash back to bad times. So, Only yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, chicken and beer or whatever it was turned, yeah, they, they did. They won 80 after that, right? Is that what you're saying? The what? The, the, the old chicken and beer was what the, What's yeah. that? 11? Well, well, you walked into that. I mean, you walked in, you had, uh, you weren't there the year before. No, exactly. So I wasn't there the year before, but I think what you're implying is like we they made a big change because of that. Oh, what? they made all the yeah. Listen, you couldn't Nick, like some of the things, and I'm just thinking about some of the stuff now, the rule changes because of it, right? You guys 
you couldn't – there was no beer in the clubhouse, uh, I think, at home, right, or something like that. Yeah. There was – in spring training, you had to take the bus or you're supposed to take the bus everywhere. Like, there was, there was a lot of, like, little things that basically, like, instead of just saying, hey, you're, you guys, you know what you're doing. But everyone was so paranoid about perception because of the chicken and beer stuff. I don't know if that's if you remember that feeling or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It was yeah, we came into spring training and I feel like we were still talking about it. Oh yeah. Anyway, so we're so you go through that year, you get to that moment, you get to the day, um, and and so then like does Sherrington come down and tell tell you or how do you officially hear about the trade? Um, yeah, it was uh it was. It was Sherrington. Yeah, Sherrington came down, and then uh, who was it? Uh, Sherrington comes down, and it, yeah, he he addressed all of us. I think he pulled oh, us all to do it around. Oh, all of you. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. It was. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. I mean, I it, like I said after that, after getting that conversation, like so many different emotions. You know. That was just a whirlwind and just crazy. I mean, when you get into that room with the four of you, do you, is it Des Ben or is it Lucino or is it? Lucino was there. Yes, he was there. Yeah. You know, when Charlie Brown goes, want, 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 like I, that's what that meeting was for me. Like, I was just like, this is crazy. Like I, it just, it hurts. It hurts to get traded no matter what. The scenario is you know and I, like i said i wasn't very good i wasn't very good i you know i was i was the right guy to trade but um it's just it's it's a little bit painful when you when you uh get that phone call so when you walk out of that room are you are you guys looking at each other you're like or is it just like we got to like to your point about arranging your life i mean you, you said your yeah. wife was pregnant right or had a just had a baby yeah just we had, had a three. baby we had three in diapers. It was nuts. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously Tommy and the boys, all the clubhouse attendants get on top of you real quick. Cause you got to move quick. You, you got to get your stuff packed up. Um, Adrian Gonzalez played in that baseball game for the Dodgers the same day we got traded. So because of that three hour time difference, the, you know, they were able to get us on a jet, fly us to LA. And then he hit a home run, I think in his second at bat in LA. But but you didn't you didn't play. I didn't play. I think I came in uh, late in that game. Okay. I either got a bat or pinch defense or something. Is that? I mean, you had played on different teams, but that must have been bizarre. It was bizarre. It was. It was. Yeah, it was crazy. And like I got to meet Magic Johnson as I came off that private jet, which is you know that's a freaking dream to me. You know, growing up in Southern California. By the way. Not to get off track, no. you have to watch. You have to watch the legacy on Hulu. Everybody in Boston so needs to watch. This is better than any of this other stuff. The, this is you watched I, it? No, no. But I oh. had heard about the the make believe one on HBO. No, that I one wasn't. That, wasn't that wasn't very good. No, this is real. This is the. This is everything. This is bus. This is this is bird. This is like it is so good. Like because I'm. You obviously Boston. Oh yeah, so, dude. Like so, through and through. Yeah. So let me. So 
I, I, I got to be careful here about so I don't with passwords. Like you're you're of certain age, right? Yes. You know where I'm going with this? Yes. With numbers? Yes. All right. Let's just say that you can probably hack into any account in Boston of guys 40 to 60 right now with a, just a little effort. Yes. With, with a number 33. That's <laughs> it. Right? Same thing. Oh, yeah. It's, if, it it's, was, every, it's my guy, my guy Coop, who's on the pot. You know Coop, the guy from the yeah. pot. He's like, he's 15. He's 15. You know, there's a Petroya. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but he's 24. He's 24, you know, so 24, yeah. 25. So, yeah. Anyway, so I, you're scratching where I itch. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you got to watch it, buddy. It's so good. Yeah. So, so good. Uh, so you got a chance. So you walk off the plane and Magic's sitting there. And you said you grew up a Lakers fan. Oh, like intense Lakers fan. I mean, obviously through my dad who, you know, would VCR record the games, go to, you know, go, go to work, come home. And all the East Coast games would start at like four. So we'd sit down and hit play and watch, uh, watch it from the beginning. And you didn't have to worry about getting any notifications of what the score was. <laughs> so it, it was easy, right? It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch uh, sports today, like three hours. You know what I mean? Like, oh. it, it, there's just no way you're gonna get an alert. You're gonna find out. But nah. we could do that back in the day. We could do it. Well, that what what people do, and people are you know about this whole. Well, the games are too late. The games are too late. You're gonna lose a generation. But Nick, I mean, here's the reality. They go to bed, they wake up, they put on Bleacher Report app on the Instagram, they get like 10 highlights. Yeah, I mean, even MLB.com, that's their game stories are 10 videos. That's right. what they are. So, um, yeah, so it's just a different time. But, boy, I didn't know you were such a Lakers fan. So, credit the men's. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, well. Yeah, yeah, definitely a Kobe guy. Um, yeah, right now we're struggling, though. Yeah, well, listen, the, the worm <laughs> the worm is turned. The, the, worm is turned. the Celtics are Celtics are actually good, but yeah. uh, but so you get off the plane and Magic's there, which you didn't have any idea that uh, you knew that he owned the team or yeah, yeah. I, I mean that they threw out all the big dogs. You know, Magic was there with Lon Rosen and um, you know the, all the ownership group, and we come off the plane red carpet. It was pretty gnarly. <laughs> It was cool. What, so, I mean, you you knew the Dodger Stadium scene and you knew everything, but how different is it? How like that's another part of this, right? Like, you guys go from one extreme to the other, not only in terms of winning, but in terms of you know, this is one of the great things about sports—the Boston versus LA sort of dynamic. You talk about the Celtics Lakers. I mean, that's an epitome of it. But also, I've I've been to games at Fenway. I've been to games at Dodger Stadium. It's different. It's different. It yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, no, nobody can compete with Boston as far as just the intensity of that fan and the amount of pressure they put on you on a daily basis is really what I miss. Like there, it is, don't let your guard down in that city ever, or you're going to feel it from everybody. Or, you know, like you sit down in a barber shop, get your haircut in Boston. He knows Nick Punto and he knows what Nick Punto did last night in that game when he got the start because Pedroia had a beat up, you know, 
finger. It's like they know everything and they're just a they're they're a complete fan. You know, the it, the East Coast fans, uh, you know, I'm probably killing myself here, but the East Coast fan is just way more intense. They're yeah, way well, more about the game. Well, I remember I distinctly cuz I've cited this quote before. You were actually, I mean, you probably were on WEI like once, right? Sports radio station. But I remember a quote that you had when you went on. And it was that Boston's the best place to play in the world or something between 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock. That's right. I thought it was like, there it is. Like, that's, it's so true. I mean, I still say that all the time, Rob, actually. It's like there's no better place to play from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock East Coast time than Fenway Park, and hopefully the Yankees are in town. <laughs> what did, like it's, uh, just, it's intense. It's awesome. What did uh, Speaking of Pedroia, what did he – because, you, you know, you were fairly tight with him and stuff. Yeah. So what, what was his was – he, was he like, take me with you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he was – you know, there – you that guy wears his emotions on his sleeve, right? And I think that was a little bit of part of it too. It's like that is our just emotional lead by example player. And you could almost see that he was at times frustrated or a little bit defeated by just the antics and, and the shenanigans and just how, how we just weren't playing good enough. Yeah. I mean, and you could almost see that, right? Like there was nothing more fun than watching him go out and be Dustin Pedroia because it just it, it elevated all of us. It really did. Well, you weren't around, but I believe it was that year they were playing at Yankee Stadium in the last series. It meant nothing. And I think he was playing with like broken fingers or something. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and I remember, yeah. and I remember I've told this story before. But you know, Pedroia, you know, I talk shit with them all the time, right? That's all we do yeah. is talk shit, and so it, you can't really have like the 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 heart to heart conversations are few and far between, um, but but sometimes they happen. Like I had one. I remember when he wanted to sort of go through a lot of stuff he was getting killed for, um, just to sort of address him. So that was you know it's good. I like that's what I appreciate. It's a genuine like we can kid around and everything, but he's very genuine and and he has a good heart. But that last game. I had come back early from Yankee Stadium, and he played. With, I knew he was playing with the broken fingers. I didn't say anything, but I knew he was playing with it. And he texted, and he said something effective like, "I said, well, congratulations to getting through." And he said, "Yeah, and I, something my boys can look at and be proud of." I'm like, "Oh man, this is not the kidding around, Dustin Pedroia." But that's, I mean, that's how is that's the real Pedroia, right? That's the real Pedroia. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, so. And, you know, and like we said it before, the thing that bummed me out so much about, you know, that trade, I'm being sincere and not having like having you have the opportunity to be there the next year. And yeah. were you, uh, you weren't a free agent until the next, the following year because you signed a right. two year deal, right? Yep. So, yeah. Supposed to be there for 13. <laughs> Still bums me out. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's just if, you know, I don't know if when you when you're looking at it from afar. So the, the big thing was in that trade was, you know, they got back all these guys. And no disrespect to Jerry Sands and James Loney and 
Alan Webster and all these guys, right? But it was a money. The money was the was the big ticket item coming back. And they were like, okay, we have this money. And I'm just anxious from your perspective. I don't know how much you follow this stuff at all. But when they go in that offseason, they took the money and they sign a bunch of guys. They didn't sign Josh Hamilton, right? They signed Victorino, Napoli, Ross, Dempster, you know, those guys. And I don't know, like, what – I'd be interested to hear what, like, do you think, oh, okay, that's the way to go, that's going to work, or that, that you, you're not going to be able to replace the talent that you left behind? I thought that was – I mean – of course, you know, no disrespect to Josh Hamilton, but when you can, there's nine guys that have to bat in your lineup, right? So if you can get three really quality guys over just that one mega star, the three is going to be better than one, in my opinion. That, right. you know, that's, and they're that's, also good, you know, the clubhouse thing is important. And Nick, we've talked about this. It sure is. Right. And, and this yeah. is, I think this is absolutely something that's being devalued these days. And, like, this is what you brought. This is what a lot of those guys I just mentioned brought, right? Yeah, Napoli, like you just said, Napoli, Gomes. Those are, like, glue. That's glue guys with production. When you can get both of those things, your clubhouse is destined to be great. Yeah. It just is. Like, Napoli, who was the other one you just said? Napoli, Gomes. V- Victorino, uh, Ross, 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 yep. David Ross, Dempster, yep. Dempster. I mean, that is like ultimate glue. Like you can't not laugh in that clubhouse. And at the end of the day, it is so important to laugh in the clubhouse. Yeah. It is a long season and there are so many ups and downs that if you're not laughing together, it's, it's tough. Like the grind, the grind gets tough. You have to be laughing. When did, so here's a simplistic question. When did you guys stop laughing in 2012? I'm not like, you know, honestly, it was, we had such a good group that we did laugh, but it was really tough to continue, continue laughing. Right. Cause you know, the game happened and then we didn't perform. So, you know, those laughs change, like it's easy to be smiling and having a good time when you're winning. But when you start losing, that's when you really need all 25 guys clicking on the same cylinder. You know, the, the chemistry which is to me is super important. Chemistry is huge, but way bigger when you're struggling, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to go out there, throw a lineup out there, you know, like Joe Torre did with the Yankees for years, just throw that lineup out there mm-hmm. and they're going to go win, right? That, that lineup didn't even need chemistry because they were that good. But when you start to struggle, that's when the chemistry is huge. It is so weird. Like you guys, you guys did have the pieces, man. Like you had like Cody's a good guy. Obviously, you're a good guy. You have the guys who are staying behind there. Like, you had the pieces. Now, you had some crazies, but you also had some pieces. You had a lot of pieces. You're going to have crazies, though. You, you're going to have crazies. You just need the, the, the core or the, the, the group as a semi-hole, like, on that same page. You're always going to have crazies. Like, crazies are important. You want that crazy. It's kind of fun to have a couple crazy guys. So, we're not looking for 25 25- perfect personalities we're just looking for 25 guys to laugh together if we get 25 guys laughing together and we play the game hard play the game right and we're intense every night you're gonna have a good time you're gonna win there's a there's a, there's an alfredo Aceves reference here somewhere but 
<laughs> I don't even know where you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, I there are so many different ways I can go with it. Right. Let's just put it this: way. Have you ever have you ever played with a guy like that ever? Oh, he was. Uh, gosh, he was different. Yeah, he was just a little bit different. He he was. Uh, his routine was to not have a routine. I think like that's that's what I think. Uh, at times it was just like, wait, he's the starting pitcher. He needs to be in the bullpen doing this. And like, maybe he's not right. They just never knew where he was. Like literally, I think his routine was to not have a routine. And that was just what made him feel good. Cause at the end of the day, you got to feel good. But well, you had a close, your closer, like he was, was he, well, Melanson was going to be the closer. Right. Yeah. And that didn't work out. It didn't work out. Yeah. Pretty cool for him, though. I've been following his whole career. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, he was he was having some sleep issues, and yeah, but yeah, I, I think he landed in a good spot. But anyway, um, yeah. the the last thing just is in in this respect is that like, as we sit here ten years, um, it's the cliche question, but like, does it like do you as we're talking through this does it seem like 10 years is it like oh man i remember this i remember that i remember because listen you had a great career in in the bradfoe show fantasy football league you played in more games than anybody else participating so nice i i, I looked that up so nice. more than gomes more than uh papelbon more than ugly i think nice yeah so um but you had this great career, so but when you look back at that time, it must be like top three, top three, like like not I'm not saying like best moments, but holy crap moments. I mean the yes. doctor the doctor chair is a pretty good story, I'm not gonna lie, but <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I mean ten years, that's crazy. It really is crazy because it feels like yesterday. You know, like it's it's amazing how quick time flies. But especially in those like pivotal moments in your career or life that was one of them and yeah i mean it, i feel like i it, it feels like yesterday it really does yeah and i know that again we've talked about it so close to being on that 2013 oh you keep <laughs> i'm sure i'll get to hear from gomes too well listen the only way to make you feel better about that is by winning the the fancy football league tell um, me about yeah, so so we have so you know the draft is Monday. You you're all set. I want I'm now 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 also as you're talking, if if you like to, and we've we Saltamakia has has commandeered someone to be his assistant GM. Um, who else? Uh, Gomes has as well. Like, but so if you want to to get an assistant GM, a I can get in touch with Cody Ross. And. And you can you can you can tag team with him. Okay, or he's could... really he's a little too aloof. We've done this together, and uh, he I don't know if he's the guy I'd pick to be my assistant GM. Okay, well Nash <laughs> Nash is, is, Nat, Nash will be a little bit better than Cody. Okay, all right, that's fair. As long as you you know everyone needs a support system. So yes, sir. who's uh, yours? A uh, guy Nate. You got a young young guy who's helping out, like Nate. Yeah, oh, helping out. He's yeah. running the. Show. I mean, I, listen. I I I as as Salty said, I just want to be able to fire somebody, 
and talk trash. That's all I want to do. <laughs> so that's uh, what fantasy football is. That's yeah. It. So so this, I think we got a good group, Nick. I think we do. I think in in large part because led by, uh, as Courtney called him, Pistolbon, uh, already on Twitter. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think we got a good group of of shit talkers. Um, and uh, and do you know Kyle Kendrick at all? Uh, played against him. Yeah, I, I okay. mean, I know. I'm, well, he's, he's, probably... married, he's married to someone on Survivor. I don't know. He, he pitched two games for the Red Sox. So, nice. Th- so there you go. Um, no, so like, I'll hit up Cody. You want you want me to get Cody involved? You, if you want, it's up to you. Yeah. Okay. It's, up, it's up to you. But the draft is Monday. We got a good, great group of guys. I'm really looking forward to it. And I and I encourage you to just air it out, man. Like I will. I mean, don't be shy. And, oh, but, I will. But yeah. I, I mean, do you feel who you know the you know these mostly? I mean, you know Gomes. Yeah, I know the whole. Yeah, pretty much the whole crew. All right. So a good, have, oh. I, what I want you to do is, I want so this uh, one guy's in it is a Red Sox Double A player, Alex Benellis. Okay. I want you to wear him out. Okay. I want. I want. I want to get like. He's a great guy and a great talker, but I said, "Come on, like this, go talk some trash. Let's go." Yeah. I mean, and listen, this is the twenty-three, twenty-four, the twenty-three-year-old with all yeah. his idols in this league. You, you got to wear him out. Yeah, we'll jump him. And we'll and initiate. Also, and also, I am looking forward to, as I tweeted, I am looking forward to a week one matchup between Courtney and Papelbon. Although I am a little, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> Does Courtney have? Does she have a GM? No, no, or, oh, no, she, no, no. She's no probably way. the most knowledgeable one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I love that she's into it. Oh yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She, it, she's knowledgeable and she can talk trash with the best of them. So it'll be good. It. It'll I be good. It. And we got a good, <laughs> we got a good commissioner and Coop. There's the best hair in the league. So yeah, absolutely. Good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I like I appreciate you doing this, man. Like it's you bet, and uh so any any party this is it any party if you want to like say talk trash in the camera right now to someone. Well, just because Papal Bond's popping off, where's he picking, by the way? Like third? what's his pick? Like fourth. Oh, fourth. Fourth or fifth. Or fifth. Uh, do you think he's done mock drafts? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, <laughs> First of all, he strikes me as a guy who is not, but I guess I'll call him out. Papelbon, I'm coming after you, Bubba. Well, first of all, he he literally texts me at like one o'clock in the morning, wanting to like worried about the ante. Of, uh, the, we have to up the ante. I'm like, dude, I got a wedding to pay for in a month. So like, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is going to be bragging rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Um, all right, good enough. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.